You're listening to the Maritime Gardening Podcast, Episode 69, brought to you by Vessi Seeds and Savers Gardening Products. Hey everybody, it's Greg Otten here, and today we're going to talk about whether you need a truck to have a garden, a large garden or a small garden, in your backyard. I'm not talking about a farm. <laughs> I'm talking about just a person who's going to have a, a garden in their backyard for their own use, uh, whether it's large or small, whether they need a truck. But first, I thought I'd handle a few viewer questions. Uh, I haven't done this for a while, and uh, there's a couple things that people brought up in uh, recent podcasts. And I thought I'd just speak to these. Uh, these aren't all ones you can see. Some of these things come to me through emails and so on. So I thought I'd just speak to some of the stuff. Uh, number one question, viewer question, uh, in light of the last episode that I just did, no, I'm not a herbalist or a cannabis or a bong rat or a ganja monster or a smoke apotamus or a space cowboy or a stoner or a toker or a weedosaurus rex. That's not my thing. <laughs> I'm more of a beer and whiskey man, if you must know. But I got no problem with people that are, I could care less, as long as you're not, as long as you're doing it responsibly, I could care less. Um, another question. No, I have no interest in having Mike Adams on the show, if he would even, <laughs> I don't even want to deal with a small potatoes guy like me anyway, but you know what, it's just not that kind of a show. Uh, you know, it's not a debate show. I, I have no interest in bringing someone like that onto the show to try to debate with them whether they're legitimate or not. Um, I think he's a joke. I'm sure there's lots of people that think he's the, the greatest man in the world and, and whatever. You know, it's just not my thing. It's nothing he says is grounded in scientific method, even though it kind of looks like that. I have a background in that. I used to teach it in a university. He's a con man. <laughs> he's not a scientist. Um, anyway. Not going to have him on the show. I'm not going to call him. Don't care. <laughs> um, one other question. Um, someone wrote me a, a fairly thoughtful uh, uh, email, or uh, actually, it might have actually been a comment. But anyway, they're asking about sacrificial plants. And you know, I've never really talked about this on the show, the concept of sacrificial plants. So I thought it was worth. It's not. I don't know if I can wrap it. I probably could wrap an episode around it. I, I think I could probably wrap an episode around anything, uh, but I thought I'd just mention this. So what's a sacrificial plant? This is an approach to dealing with pests in a garden. It's very popular among uh, permaculturists where, you know, instead of using uh, some sort of pesticide or some other sort of thing, you've got a pest that likes a particular plant in your garden, and you plant something else that you're, you're pretty sure pests like more. And so they eat that thing. The idea is that they'll eat that thing and leave... The, the other plant that they're prone to attacking alone. So, like, really, the only plant I have a real pest problem with in my garden is my kale. Uh, I have flea beetles that attack it. I have slugs and snails that attack it. And right around this time of year, it tends to be a uh, cabbage moth, white fly type uh, uh, problem. I haven't had any problems all year with white flies. They're just starting to show up now. I was actually out in my garden last night with a headlamp on because I had to get around to it because I knew it was going to rain today. Um, so last night I went out and put some of that BTK, um, that bacteria that kills those things, uh, on my kale. So hopefully they had a really good feast last night, and they're all uh, died a horrible death. <laughs> and uh, I had a really nice rain this evening that just washed all that stuff off, and uh, uh, hopefully problem solved for a good while. Uh, one treatment maybe I find I only have to treat the treat it maybe once or twice a year, and of course that is provided by Safer's Gardening Products. And I used it last year, and it really, it's an amazing product, and it's very pest-specific. Um, 
and I've done episodes on this and I've talked about it on my YouTube channel so I'm not going to get into it here. Anyway, back to the notion of the sacrificial plant. So the idea is you got something that pests attack like kale and so you plant some other plant that's like that that for whatever reason maybe the pests seem to like that more and they attack it instead maybe it's higher or more visible or whatever. Uh, I gotta tell you I don't buy it. Uh, if that's working for someone I think they're probably in a fairly unique situation. Uh, it runs on the assumption that there's a finite number of pests. Let's let's say there's a hundred pests and you've planted enough stuff to feed that hundred pests and so there isn't like more pests that will go for other things. Uh, it's not a closed system. It's not a finite system. Back in my backyard there's you know there's not an infinite number of pests because that's impossible but for all intents and purposes, there's an infinite number of pests. There's like an infinite number of snails. There's an infinite... You know, if I put uh, some plant in my garden that snails love, they would eat that. They would also eat my kale. I just have more snails the next year because I've been feeding all the snails all kinds of stuff. So I just get more snail babies and hence more snails. Right? If I put something there that white flies like, they'd lay eggs on that and they'd lay eggs on my kale too. Right? Because there's like... A ridiculous there's like an infinite number of them back there right there's no uh, I've never really understood the concept of the sacrificial plant and it, it implies that you have some deal with the insect and they're like oh he's putting that to, uh, these are the apples I like those aren't the apples I like I'm gonna go for that um, I've never seen any of it. I've tried little experiments in my garden with that sort of thing I've never really seen it work for me when I have a sacrificial plant they eat that they also eat the hell out of everything else. <laughs> they just go for everything. Same with uh, things like little bunny rabbits and stuff like that that I get in my garden. Um, you know, if I planted something that rabbits like, they'd eat that. And when they'd eaten it all, they'd start eating my kale and my lettuce. Because <laughs> they're just going to keep eating stuff, right? Uh, it's not like uh, it's a grocery store. Okay, aisle one is for you. Everything else is mine. It doesn't work that way. They're, they're just foraging for food. They're going to keep eating. As long as the food in your garden tastes better than what's outside, they're going to keep coming in there. It's also a pretty safe place, right? Anyway, I thought I'd speak to those two topics. I thought it, they were good topics and, and worth bringing up uh, with, with the, the general audience. Anyway, on to today's topic. Do you need a truck to have a garden, especially a large garden? Again, I'm not speaking about uh, running a farm. <laughs> if you're running a farm, you probably need a, some sort of vehicle like that because you got a lot of materials to move around and just uh, not cost effective to you know, get things delivered all the time. I'm sure there's a way to do it. Uh, but I'm talking about someone who owns a home and has a backyard garden of you know, uh, really a small one or even a relatively large one like mine. My garden is 2,500 square feet. It's probably a little bit bigger than that now. So keep seem to expanding it every year. Um, and the short answer is no. Um, I had a truck right up until last year. This is my first season on this property with this garden with no truck. And I really don't miss it at all. So I'm going to talk about that a little bit just in case you're you're contemplating that or maybe you want to you got a garden of a certain size and you want to make it a bit larger and like oh my goodness how am I gonna deal with this garden uh, with without uh, you know uh, some sort of truck like vehicle how am I gonna do that or if you're considering buying one because you have a large garden um, if you're a permaculture gardener um, you're building soil you're not buying soil 
So you don't need something to truck soil around. All you need to do is find some way to gather mulching materials and accumulate it on your property so you can use it in your garden. There's lots of ways to do that and I'm going to talk about that. Uh, but first I'm going to tell a little story because um, back in uh, the late 90s I moved from Halifax to Ontario and at that point in time I had a, a vehicle. I had a, one of those cool Toyota cargo vans. Coolest vehicle I ever had. You're kind of like sitting in front of the front wheels uh, it's really you're sitting over the engine. It was a really neat, fun thing to drive. Stick, uh, drove stick. There was no seats in the back. It was all open. It had been used uh, by a guy who used it to bring all his gear to uh, to do uh, stock car racing. So it was this cool sort of you know uh, Mad Max <laughs> kind of van type thing. And I got it for uh, next to nothing. Uh, anyway, uh, after my first year in university, um, I went to McMaster University. It, it died. And uh, I remember just thinking, like, what am I going to do? I've got no vehicle. Because uh, living in uh, where I live in Halifax, at least uh, I have not used the transit system here in quite a while because I live outside of town. I have to drive in. There's no bus that comes anywhere near where I live. Um, but back then, the transit system really sucked. It just was not good. And it was kind of a drag getting around uh, on the bus. I used to do a lot of biking. And my last couple years of university here in Halifax, uh, I got, you know, I had enough money to buy like a $500 vehicle sort of thing. And uh, you keep it going and do your own work on the vehicle and stuff like that. And uh, it was so much better to have a vehicle around here, especially given all the fishing and stuff I like to do. So anyway, I was out there in a, another province and uh, all of a sudden I was without a vehicle and I could not afford to buy one. Uh, at that point in time, I, I was living off of about $700 a month. That was to pay my rent, my food, my beer, all that sort of stuff. So it was a pretty Spartan life. Uh, but, you know, I was able to make, make do. Um, but I remember talking to one of my classmates and saying, what am I going to do? I've got no vehicle. And he's like, you don't need one. You'll get by just fine. And I said, well, what do you mean? And this guy had it all worked out in a spreadsheet. You're a clever guy. And he said, you know, how much uh, did your vehicle cost? So I told him, I don't know, my vehicle cost a thousand bucks. And he said, okay, well, it costs a thousand bucks, but how much did it cost you a year to keep it on the road? So I said, oh, I don't know, let's say it's another thousand dollars. Okay, so it cost you a thousand dollars. And how long do you think it was going to last anyway? Let's say five years. So basically, if it, if it cost you a thousand dollars, it costs two hundred dollars a year for five years, right? You average it out over that, it costs you a thousand bucks a year to keep it on the road. So that's really like twelve hundred dollars a year. And then you got to pay for gas. So, you know, you work that out and it's more like, you know, so on and so forth and so forth. So we, show basically how much it cost me a year to have a vehicle and to use it and to keep it on the road and to insure it and all that stuff and register it and all those sorts of things keep feeding it fuel he said now how much uh, actually when we were in the university a bus pass was free but he said how much does a bus pass cost you know, I think it was something like 50 bucks right so that's not much for a year right and uh, I might have even been less than that anyway the bus pass was way less than uh, keeping a vehicle on the road I said, yeah, but sometimes, you know, I want to go to the grocery store and buy a lot of groceries, or I want to go to the beer store and buy 24 beers. I can't carry that home on my bicycle. He said, yeah, you just call a cab. Anytime you don't want to take a bus, just call a cab. And anytime you want to drive somewhere, just rent a car. And he showed me on a spreadsheet that it's still way cheaper than owning a vehicle, way cheaper. If you're in an urban place, 
with a decent transit system. And where I was living in Hamilton, it was a great transit system there, especially compared to Halifax. <laughs> so, you know, after about a month of getting used to it, I realized that guy was right. You could, in that situation, you could really get by, and it was far more cost, cost effective and really no less convenient, um, and and way more cost effective to uh, just not have a vehicle, use transit, um, get things delivered, um, take the cab and uh, rent uh, once in a while when you actually needed a vehicle like if you were going to move you just rent a truck for a day right instead of owning a truck so uh around uh winter this year uh i decided i, I changed jobs and i had to instead of working from home i actually had to drive into down i work full time right now i work right downtown in the city and i have to drive maybe 45 minutes a day <clears throat> and my, my job has nothing to do with owning a truck. I'm in a cubicle all day in an office, so I don't really need a truck for that. And also, the truck uh, really doesn't fit in the uh, parkade where I park. It's a bit too high. So I decided to get rid of my truck, and uh, and I bought a tiny little cheap car, a Kia Forte. It's a cheap little car, and one of the cheapest cars you can buy new. And... I remember thinking, I wonder if I can swing this. How can I, am I going to keep my garden going with this car? And, uh, I, you know, I've worked it out that it's really not that big a deal. It's kind of like the same thing I experienced when I was in university. Um, also, by the way, uh, the depreciation on a truck is out of this world. I mean, that truck that I bought, I bought it. A couple years old so that that truck was probably like a $55,000 truck when it was brand new I bought it a couple years old and it already depreciated to like $13,000 it was a Dodge Ram four-wheel drive quad cab I think it's called or crew cab or quad cab the larger one uh, I needed a vehicle I could fit my two kids and my wife you know basically that we had to have it was the second vehicle in the house, and both vehicles had to be able to truck all the kids around and stuff, right? So that's why I had to get this giant boat of a truck. Um, anyway, brand new one of those things is like $55,000 or more. And uh, I bought it a couple years old, used for like $13,000 or maybe $14,000. And I sold it um, this February. So it would have been, um, what is that? It was a 2011, and I sold it in 2000. 18 so it was seven years old and I sold it for eight thousand bucks It's practically worthless <laughs> In a very short amount of time right brand new it costs as much as like a BMW and seven years old It's worth eight thousand bucks, right? So it's really not an investment. It's a you know a, a major expenditure now I'm speaking to the maritime context for people that aren't familiar with this part of the world uh, all the roads are salted for various reasons um, and uh, if, if we just can't use sand here because of the unique conditions here, all the roads are salted, and the bottom of your vehicle just rots away. Uh, and even you know vehicles that are treated and undercoated and stuff like that, they everything goes the way of rust here. <laughs> it's just and it's always wet and it's always raining. And in the winter you get a lot of snow, but there's a lot of slush, and it's like slush that's full of salt because the roads are always salted. And uh, Everything just goes to pieces here, so it's a really, you know, tough place to try to own a vehicle for a long period of time. Um, so anyway, it's a side a side track there. The trick to there's a number of things you can do to get the materials you need to have a large garden, 
without owning a truck. Uh, number one is you shouldn't be buying soil. If you've been watching my videos, what you're doing, you're, you're building the soil you have. right? You're building the soil you have. Uh, even if you want your garden to be raised a little bit, you can dig up the soil, bury a bunch of rotten materials, and put the soil back on top and make a sort of hogaculture bed if you want things raised up a little bit. And I've shown videos where I do that. Uh, the main thing is that you have to gather materials. right? You have to get different malt sources onto your property to use them when you need them. The easiest way to do that if you have a car is to put a couple containers and I'm sure some people do this who are listening but this, this is for the point of for the for the for the benefit of the people that are thinking about this and not sure what to do that's why I'm, I do all these videos right um, you put a couple plastic large plastic containers in the trunk of your car and you just have them in your car all the time and if you're like me and you, you have a daily commute right there's certain days when everybody puts out uh, compostable things on their front you know in front of their house for the the city to pick up right for you know for on garbage day or whatever so every second week here where I live um, is the day where you put out your leaves or your grass or whatever so on those days when I go to work if I see anything that looks good I just pull over and throw it in the car so I just gather you know and I have those plastic containers in my trunk so I don't make a mess of the trunk right because sometimes those paper bags fall apart and stuff like that um, so I never miss an opportunity to scavenge those sort of materials. And then I just, you know, when I get home, uh, after I've changed, I just bring it out back and throw it on a pile of stuff. And you just build up a pile, right? In the fall, I mean, I'm saying this because it's August and fall is coming, right? In the fall, you stockpile the stuff. Every time you go somewhere, if you see something on the side of the road that looks like leaves or grass, or if you're really lucky, someone has mowed their lawn, and the, with a bag on their mower and it's picked up grass and leaves right because that's the best you've got the uh, good good blend of carbon nitrogen right grass and leaves um, so you just keep adding and adding right every every chance you get when you see something on the side of the road you grab it throw it in a pile and you will gather enough to mulch your entire garden that's pretty much what I did this year I didn't <laughs> everything I used on my garden uh, was just found on the side of the road or there was a couple times where I let my lawn get a little bit uh, long um, just from sheer laziness. And when it gets long like that, I have to mow it with the bag on my mower. So, hey, there we go. I, I just use that material as a mulch too. So your, your lawn produces mulch. And if you've got any trees, that's mulch. I mean, you've got a lot of stuff just falling down into the sky or coming up out of the ground if you have a lawn um, that you can use. So, I mean, that's all available anyway. But you also have all these people in your, in your area gathering it for you and putting it in bags for you so you know why why work any harder than you have to if people are doing all the work for you it's just a lot easier another thing you can do is let's say none of that's available let's say you're in an extremely rural place or maybe there's some sort of material you want to gather that people don't put out on their lawn like I like to use a bit of seaweed on on my beds because I think it's really good for the garden uh, people don't bag that up and put it on the front door so how do you get seaweed without a truck, right? And uh, I would be careful putting it into a car. I mean, you could, I know people that have done this, put it in a container. If you're going to gather it, you know, put it in a bag and put that bag in a container and put a lid on it because sometimes the seaweed's got little things in it and you don't want those things uh, hopping around in your car, right? Uh, certain beaches, certain times of the year, there's more of that stuff than others anyway. Uh, another way, let's say you want to gather a whole bunch, right? Is to just rent a truck and use that truck. 
or an even easier way, and this is what I would recommend, and you can certainly do this where I live, uh, you can go on something like Kijiji or one of these online, you know, what, what would have been like the classifieds back in the old days, um, and you'll see these guys who have ads that, that are usually something like guy with a truck, right? There's these guys who own pickup trucks and they're looking for work, and you can hire one of these guys for 50 bucks an hour with the truck, so you get the guy and the truck, right? I can't rent a truck. I could probably rent a truck for $50 a day. Um, but then you have to do all the work yourself. Um, a lot easier just to get a guy and a truck for an hour. Think of what you can do if you, if you get someone helping you, right? Um, and it takes about an hour for me to get to the beach and get back, especially with the second person helping me. Uh, and, you, know, you go there with your pitchfork and you have a whole bunch of containers and you load the truck up with uh, seaweed and there you go. You, gotta, you, get as, you get as much out of that guy as you possibly can, right? That's another way to do it. Or you rent a, uh, rent a, rent a truck uh, and you, you get some kid down the street, you give him, you know, 10 bucks or 20 bucks to help you out for an hour or two. And uh, get someone like, if you've got any sort of teenagers that are reasonably strong. Um, I, I'm finding at 46 that uh, most 17 year olds are stronger than me and better than me in a lot of ways. Um, and they work cheap. <laughs> So it's uh you can get a lot done if you know, you, be, you don't realize how uh, uh you know how much you've slowed down to hire a young person and it's, it's amazing how much harder they can work than you they're, they're happy if you give them like 15 bucks an hour uh, I'm I'm happy to give give someone like that you know two or three hours of work um, get a lot done in your garden you can spend your time just focusing on other things and of course there's the final strategy of yeah, if you've got a friend that owns a truck you can you know uh, Try to you know find some way to manipulate them into <laughs> lending you their truck or giving you a hand. Uh, maybe you apply them with beer, or offer them a nice meal, or or, or uh, some other sort of reci reciprocal uh, arrangement. Anyway, the point is that there's uh, lots of ways to go about, uh, and you can get things delivered as well if you wanted to get a load of. Uh, like, you know, uh, if you watch that video I had um, earlier in the spring, I got a whole bunch of wood chips dumped in my driveway. I just called a bunch of tree services and found a guy, and he told me how much money he wanted. And he just came and dumped like four cubic yards of wood chips in my driveway, right, for I think it was around 50 bucks. Uh, so, you know, that's and some of them will do it for free, and some of them will charge more. It depends on how far they have to drive and how much of a hassle it is for them and that sort of stuff. Um, but that's another easy way to get your mulch, right? So there's lots of options, and you do not need a truck to have a garden, especially large gardens. So if you're thinking about it, if you're or if you're trying to use your garden to justify buying a truck, my advice would be don't do it. It is such a waste of money owning a truck. They use so much. This little cheap car I have is so good on gas compared to that truck. Uh, for what would take me... For what it would cost to run that truck for a week, I could run my car for close to a month. <laughs> and I got news for you, gasoline ain't getting any cheaper, right? It's just, world's running into oil, the price is just going to go up and up and up and up until uh, they start making electric cars that uh, ordinary people can afford. Uh, so here's hoping for that. Um, anyway, that's this week's episode. Uh, I hope that helps any of you that are wondering about such a purchase. And as always, I hope that was helpful in helping you, uh, you know, manage your garden and achieve the success you want. Uh, I want to thank you for listening. And until next time, get out there, get at it, have fun in your garden. Thanks for listening.